Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. I thank you for taking time out of your day to tune in. I'm Stephen Boucher, certified financial planner, and hoping to bring you a pretty phenomenal show. I'm joined today by two of my colleagues. I have Paolo LaPietra, certified financial planner. Paolo is one of our wealth advisors and portfolio strategists. And I also have Vincenzo Testa, a CPA. And also he's an associate wealth advisor and one of our tax specialists. And I think today we're going to give you a lot of good information, a lot of things to think about, talk about, you know that I can't thank you enough for tuning in as you do every week, Saturdays at noon and Sunday mornings at eight. It means the world to me. I've been doing the radio now for over 26 years. Sometimes people come up to me and say, does it ever get old? And I say, absolutely not. It never gets old to be on the other side of the mic, knowing that each and every one of you tunes in and listens. And hopefully I'm able to give you some good information, some plant some seeds that will help you plan for your future. Folks, you get one opportunity to retire. You can't go back and make up for all those decades of working and then say, geez, why didn't I do things differently? So if I can help you with anything, anything at all with you tuning in, it's to pay yourself first. Make sure you put money into your retirement plan at work, especially if there's a match. Do a Roth IRA if you qualify. If you need a tax deduction, maybe a traditional IRA. Somehow, some way, Vanguard has a study, and they say if you're not saving 10 to 15% of your salary, more than likely you're not saving enough. I know it sounds like a lot. Believe me, it's a lot of money that, that you know, if, if you think about taking home 10% less than what you're taking home now. But think of it this way. Make believe Monday you go into work. And your boss comes up to you and says, hey, you know, things are just not the way they were. We have to lay you off. You're going to be devastated. Let's make believe on Tuesday morning your boss calls you and says, hey, things have changed. I can hire you back, but I can only bring you back at 90% of your salary. Well, if it was a great job and you really wanted to go back to work, you would jump on it because there's not a whole lot of great jobs out there. The only difference, folks, is Monday you go into work and you let them know you want to put 10% into your pension plan. I promise you, the first few paychecks, you won't like me. The first few paychecks, you're going to have less money to spend. But I can also promise you, after a year, three years, five years, all of a sudden you start looking at having this money, this balance in your pension plan, you're going to start thinking, hey, maybe Steve wasn't all that crazy when he had me put money into my pension plan. It's just a mindset, and it's my way of helping people find a way to put money away. You get one opportunity. I want to make sure when you reach that magic age, whatever it is, it's different for everybody, that you're able to retire. Because Social Security right now, on average, 
will give you about $15,000 a year. If you're married, you and your spouse partner will have about $30,000 a year coming in. If you require fifty, seventy-five, dollars $100,000 a year to live on, where's the rest of the money going to come from? You need to start taking it from your savings. All those pension plans and IRAs that you've built up, you need to start drawing on. That's why it's so important for you to save money. And remember, you may not be in your job till the day you retire. Every dollar you put away is your dollar. If you change jobs, you absolutely want to roll that money out of the pension plan and put it into your own IRA. This way, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, you won't forget about a pension plan that you had. You have one IRA. You keep rolling all of these balances into that IRA. You can manage it, hopefully with professional advisors like ourselves. Remember, we're a fiduciary. We don't sell investments. I've been a fiduciary since 1993. I started this business in 1990, and I didn't like selling investments. I didn't like selling annuities or mutual funds, getting paid a commission. I never wanted there to be a conflict of interest. So I became a fiduciary long before it became popular. Back then, nobody knew what a fiduciary was. I just knew I loved what I did. I loved working with my clients, and I wanted to make sure that I had absolutely no conflicts of interest. So today it's a buzzword, but I've been acting as a fiduciary, and my firm has been a our SEC registered investment advisor acting as a fiduciary for a long, long time. So that's my take on saving. Hopefully on Monday, you'll just think about what I just shared with you and you'll find a way to save. Well, for now, as I shared with you, I got a special show because I have two, I think, stellar colleagues, Paolo LaPietra and Vincenzo Testa. And I'm going to stop there and let Paolo and Vincenzo introduce themselves. They are our wealth advisors and associate wealth advisor, respectively. And I'm telling you, they're a dynamic part of the team and they got some good information. So, Paolo, kick it off. Yeah, thank you, Steve. It's uh, honestly a pleasure being here today, and, and I appreciate you having me on. So as Steve mentioned, my name is Paolo LaPietra. I'm a CFP and one of the wealth advisors, along with the portfolio strategist here at Boucher. Um, so today I'm going to be talking about a few different uh, investment aspect, uh, aspects, you know, risk tolerance and and, you know, different types of aspects I've been seeing in the market. But before I hop into that, I'll also let Vinny Tessa and introduce himself as well. Hi, Steve Paolo. Great to be here. Uh, my name is Vinny Tessa. I'm a CPA. Um, I'm a graduate of Siena College, so local guy from the area, from South Troy, uh, born and raised. Um, uh, we have two, year, two and a half years of experience at KPMG, if you guys are familiar with that. Um, and today I'm going to be talking about uh, federal income tax credits and 2020 unemployment compensation. So stay tuned. Well, Paolo, Vincenzo, thank you. You know, as, as you know, folks, we're, we're really beefing up um, the tax side of our firm. We have three CPAs that are part of our team and four CFPs. I'm very committed to bringing as much value to our clients as I can possibly bring and surrounding myself by people that I feel are smarter than I allows us to do so much more for our clients. And as we get into tax planning, family office type services, we're just really looking to do more, go deeper, wider. 
on behalf of the services and benefits that we're able to bring to our clients. So let's, um, so Paolo, Vincenzo, you know, bragged about going to Siena. Where'd you go? I went to SUNY Geneseo out in Rochester. Uh, had to bear a few very cold winters, but really enjoyed my time out there and studied economics, which helped me lead into investments. Um, you know, it really was a great school. Yeah, you know, so now I have a couple in-house economists, and 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 I love them. There's a there's a saying. I I'll, I'll think of it later on in the show. Um, President Truman said something about economists. Do you know that quote, Paulo? I do. He says, "Show me a one-handed economist." <laughs> um, no, I am lucky, folks. I I I'm, I'm telling you, um, the expertise that we have, the team that I have is second to none, and I continue to build out our team. So let's um, let's get started, Paolo. You, you talked about a couple things. Why don't you take one of those topics and um, let's get started, and Vinny and I will jump in and, and we'll, we'll give some the listening audience some things to think about. Yeah, no, absolutely. Appreciate that, Steve. So Something I really wanted to touch base on is the conversations we've been having with clients regarding their risk tolerance and making sure that we're finding the right portfolio balance for them between equities and, and fixed income. And the real reason why I want to bring this up is I've been consistently hearing from clients that we've been onboarding that they already know what their allocation should be based off of conversations that they have had with their previous advisor. And what I asked what these conversations consisted of, it's usually just them telling me that the advisor put them in a certain allocation due to their age. And that's just simply not enough. So what I really want to break down is the conversations that we have with our clients, and it's really broken up into two categories, and that's risk capacity and risk appetite. So risk appetite is just simply the amount of risk one is willing to take on, right? Their, their stomach for a certain type of, of risk. And Anybody that's listening to the show and knows Steve, that Steve is very, very tolerant when it comes to risk. He has disclosed many times he has a 100% all-equity portfolio, so he's somebody that has a very strong risk appetite. On the flip side of that would be somebody like my fiance Kara. Now, whenever she hears something on the news or, or hears that the market pulls back, she's always going to me and saying, hey, Paula, should we be going to all cash or should we be becoming more conservative? And so that's somebody, again, would have a very weak risk appetite. But that is only one half of the conversation. The other half of the conversation has to do with risk capacity. And that's the amount of risk someone needs to take on to make sure that they can fund their retirement. So what we usually tell our clients is they could take anywhere from 4 to 6% of their overall portfolio uh, balance in cash flow each year and not really have to worry about running out of cash flow during retirement. So say I had a client that came to me and they had a million-dollar portfolio and they said, hey, Paulo, I need to take out about $40,000 a year to make sure I'm meeting all my cash flow needs. Well, that's at the bottom range of our 4 to 6% range. So I'd say you have a very low risk capacity. You don't need to take on any extra risk in the portfolio. You're already meeting your cash flow needs. So that person should be maybe in a balance or a growth and in income type of portfolio. But let's say I also have that same client that comes to me and it's a million dollar portfolio. And they say, instead of 40,000, they say, Paul, I need $120,000 of cash flow every year to make sure I'm meeting my retirement needs. Well, I would say, well, you have a very high risk capacity, right? That's well beyond our 6% 
targeted distribution range. So that person needs to be much, much more aggressive within their portfolio to make up that ground to get them closer to that 4 to 6% distribution range. So it's really having these conversations with clients and blending, you know, both of the risk capacity and the risk appetite together to make sure that we're figuring out what the right, you know, portfolio allocation is for them. And what I would say to everyone listening out there, if you're having conversations with your advisor right now and they are not bringing up these topics and they're just simply having a quick 30-second conversation with you to put you in a portfolio, it may be time for a second opinion. You know, Paolo, it's, it, it's good stuff, and, and you're right. When it comes to tolerance for risk, it really comes down to can you sleep at night? When you see the market has had the volatility, and I don't always look at stocks as being risky because there's risk that comes with bonds, commodities like gold, and cash even. You know, if you go back to 1927, Ibbotson does a, a nice chart, and it kind of gives a range of how investments have done over the last 90 years. And I know it's a long time to, to measure, but even, you know, with all the ups and downs, it, the, the numbers are pretty, pretty accurate for the most part. In stocks, Ibbotson shows that your return over the last 90 years or so has been 10 to 12%, depending on if you're in large caps or small caps, big companies or smaller companies. Your average return in bonds is 4 to 6%. Now, you have to remember, we're coming off a 30-year bull market, almost a 40-year bull market in bonds. If you go back to the early 80s, interest rates were in the high teens. Some people were getting mortgages at 20, 21% interest rates. Wow. You know, today you can get a mortgage. Right now, the national average for, for a mortgage is somewhere around 30-year 30, um, 30 mortgage, about 3%, and a 15-year mortgage, just a little bit less. I'm telling you, folks, interest rates have been coming down for the last 40 years. So there's an inverse relationship with bonds. When interest rates come down, that means the value of the bonds go up. If investors look at the return they've had on bonds over the last 10, 20, 30 years, it's going to look pretty spectacular because they've been making a bunch of money on bonds as those interest rates have come down. And I said, Paolo, you and I talk about this often because you follow this stuff like I do. I said a couple of years ago, we will never see interest rates this low ever again. Lo and behold, doesn't interest rates go lower than where they were a couple of years ago? So I'm never going to say you'll never see interest rates this low. But folks, the U.S. 10-year Treasury note was yielding as low as point. 0.52% last year, 0.52%. That means if you bought a 10-year treasury note, you locked up your money for 10 years, Uncle Sam promises to give you back your principal, and for 10 years, they're going to give you 0.52%. Well, let's make believe that inflation is 2%. That means your real return is negative almost 1.5%. You're losing money holding on to that 10-year bond. Now, we know that the 10-year bond went all the way up to 1.75 earlier this year and settling somewhere around 1.5. You know, depending on the day you look at it, it could be less than 1.5 or a little bit more than 1.5. But still, do you want to lock up your money for the next 10 years getting 1.5% on average? 
I, I don't. I would rather put my money in the S&P 500 and get almost the same in a dividend yield and take the volatility of stocks going up and down, up and down, up and down. And 10 years from now, I'm pretty sure I'll have more money in that stock portfolio than I will the bond portfolio. But I'm, as Powell pointed out, I'm comfortable with risk. 100% of my and my wife's money is invested in the stock market because I know I guarantee clients that you don't always make money with stocks. You're going to lose some money. And when you lose money, what you can't do is have any knee-jerk reactions. You can't panic. You just have to remember that money's invested for the long haul. And no matter what has happened throughout the, the history of, of, of stock market crashes, I don't care. You know, you think about world wars, regional wars, oil embargoes, presidential assassinations. You think about the credit crisis. You think about Black Monday. You think about the turn of the century where we had the dot-com bubble. You think about 9-11. You think about the Great Recession 12, 14 years ago. You think about COVID-19. Folks, the stock market has recovered from all of those events. The problem is, when you own stocks during them, boy, when you see your balance go down, the Great Recession from peak to trough, October 07 through March of 09, you lost 50% in the stock market. 2008, you were down, I think, 30, 37%, negative 37% from one calendar year. If you think about just last year, COVID-19, three short weeks, you were down 34%. But the market came back, it recovered, and the key is not to panic, not to have that knee-jerk reaction. But there's also volatility in bonds. Gold, you think of the price of gold, it was as high as almost $2,000 an ounce in 2011, went all the way down to $1,100 an ounce. Here we are at $1,800 an ounce. I just gave you the statistics of bonds. If you look year to day, you know, the, 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 the aggregate bond index is, is down um, where the stock market's up as, as I sit here. So, and that could change. It could change tomorrow. I guess what I'm saying is you need to have diversity in your portfolio. Diversification is the key and your tolerance for risk. Everybody is different. We have a lot of retirees that are very mature in their 70s, 80s, 90s. We just lost a client, God bless her, who was 105 years old, and she loved owning stocks. As she said to me, she said, Stevie. She called me Stevie twice. Stevie, Stevie, I lived through the Spanish flu. I lived through the Great Depression. I lived through everything since then. I don't care if the stock market goes down. I know it's going to come back up, and I'm not here to sell stocks, but Paulo really points out that it's it's really your risk appetite. So your average return in stocks, 10 to 12%, bonds, 4 to 6%, but we know right now that's not the case. It's well under 2%. Cash, believe it or not, over the last 90 years averaged about 3%, but inflation averaged about 3.5%, although inflation right now is under 2%. Um, and that, you have to put it in perspective. And as Paulo points out, long-term, you need to have a portfolio that will allow you to take, we always say comfort level, four to 6% distribution rate out of your portfolio. If you have a million dollars, you should be able to take 40 to $60,000 out a year, have it keep up with inflation, have it 
really provide for you through your retirement and still have money to leave on to your beneficiaries. Now, some people want to die with a dollar left, and that obviously allows them to take more money out. Once again, everybody is different, and you need to look at it long term. And this is, Paula, why don't you talk about what we do to protect our clients for the two-year cash, anybody that takes cash? Yeah, absolutely, Steve. And as you pointed out, the market fluctuates. You don't always just make money in stocks in a short period of time. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that we protect our clients' portfolios when they're taking distributions. And how do we do that? We'll take whatever they need for that year amount, and we'll raise two years' worth of those distributions, and we'll put them in a very conservative uh, holding and that that conservative holding is just like cash is just as liquidable except it's going to earn us a little bit more interest and the reason why we're doing that is when we see and it's it, it's not if it's when we see these market corrections and in, in volatility that that we have the ability to make up for that in the portfolio and we don't have to worry about selling out of equities or bonds at a low we have that cash reserve set aside so it really honestly steve allows our clients to have the peace of mind knowing that we have that cash reserve there so again not if when we see that volatility we know that we're covered you know it's a good point paulo and we do protect our clients we really i guess Acting as a fiduciary, this is our job, is to always, first and foremost, do what's right for our clients and protecting our clients as we do. And as Paulo states, it's not if there will be another correction, bear market recession. It's when will the next correction, bear market and recession come. And that's the key, folks. When will that next bear market, when will that next recession the volatility, we see the market go up and down, up and down every day. I always say, when you buy your home and you're going to hold on to it for 30 years, do you have the real estate agent come back next year to value it? Nope, because you plan on holding it, holding it long term. Well, when you're invested in stocks, you should also have the same mindset. You're owning it long term and you know it's going to go up and down the value. But over time, you'll probably make more money having it be you know, invested. And this is why, you know, folks, we manage, we're, we're managing almost $900 million on behalf of our clients. We're approaching $900 million. That's a lot of money. Not one client has an all bond portfolio. Every client we have has some stock somehow, some way in their portfolio. And I think it's because we take the time, you know, just listening to Paulo and and we all take the time to educate our clients we help teach them show them coach them hold their hands during volatile times when there's volatility our clients aren't calling panicking I think it's because we go to great lengths to help them understand it comes with the territory folks we're approaching the bottom of the hour if you just hang in with us for a few short minutes, we need to take a news break. And on the other side of the news break, we're going to pick up the conversation again with Paolo and Vincenzo and uh, give you some, some things to think about. That's the key, obviously, is, is, you know, what should you do financially speaking? You get one opportunity to retire. We want to make sure when you get to that retirement age, you can retire. Stay with me. See you on the other side of the break. Hello and welcome back and thank you for hanging in through the news and 
As always, folks, thank you for tuning in every Saturday at noon, every Sunday morning at 8. I can't thank you enough. You make... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Coming in to do the show, such a joy. I get so energized, and I think it's because I help so many people on the other side of the mic. All of you listening out there, hopefully, were able to plant some seeds. As I shared with you in the first half of the show, you get one opportunity to retire. You can't go back and make up for it. And just think about it this way. If you're a 25-year-old just starting your first job, everybody wants to be a millionaire by the age of 65. Let's make believe you put money away each month, month in, month out, from the time you're 25 to the time you're 65, earning on average, this is a hypothetical 10% interest rate each year. You're getting a 10% return. If you're 25, you only need to put away $157 a month to have a million dollars at age 65. If you wait just five years at age 30, you need to put away about $265 a month, month in, month out, to have a million dollars at age 65. Heck, if you wait till age 40, now you got to put away about $750 a month, month in, month out to have a million dollars at age 65. And if you wait till the ripe old age of 50, you got to put away about $2,500 a month, month in, month out to have a million dollars at age 65. This is why it's so important to save sooner than later and to put as much money away as you can afford to put away. Remember, if it's in your checkbook or pocketbook or pocket, you're just going to spend it. Pay yourself first. Get that money into a pension plan at work, especially if there's a match, and let that money grow for you. Wouldn't it be nice if, let's make believe you always wanted to retire at age 65, and because you were disciplined for all those decades of working and you saved enough money, you might be able to retire at age 60? That would be a beautiful thing. You get the idea. Pay yourself first. So today I have Paula LaPietra. Certified Financial Planner, Wealth Advisor, Portfolio Strategist, and Vincenzo Testa, CPA, soon to be a Certified Financial Planner. He's one of our Associate Wealth Advisors and Tax Specialists with me today. And the first half of the show, Paolo went over some great, great information about risk. And 
you know, how you should be diversified in, in, in your investment accounts. But Vincenzo, he's going to show you how you can put money in your pocket from Uncle Sam, Vincenzo. Hey, Steve, thanks again. Um, yeah, guys, I wanted to talk about federal income tax credits and specifically the child tax credit in 2021. So let me start off by saying, um, let me start off by differentiating what a credit and a tax deduction are. So a credit is a direct decrease to your tax liability as opposed to a tax deduction, which is a direct decrease to your taxable income. But you know, some the tax deduction is also known as a write-off, right? So last year, the child tax credit, it was $2,000 and it was taken fully on your tax return, right? So it was $2,000 taken off your tax liability in 2020. Well, the IRS is doing a little bit different this year. So if you have a child five years and under, they're going to give you $3,600 now. And that's for each child that you have that's five years old and, um, and under. So if you have a child who's six through 17 years old, they're going to give you $3,000, right? And that's for each child that's six through 17. So that's a lot of money, right? So and you know, something that's a little bit different this year is that tax credit is fully refundable, which means even if you don't owe any tax, the IRS is going to give you that money. You know, it's pretty crazy to think about that they're going to give you free money even if you don't owe any federal income tax. But, you know, we all know that, you know, a child costs more than $3,600 a year. But, you know, it's, it's a nice benefit. So the way they're doing it different this year, it's not fully taken on the tax return. So for your child that's five years and under, they're going to give you $300 a month starting July 15th for six months. And for the 6- through 17-year-old child, they're going to give you $250 for six months, right? And if you add up all, if you add up the $250 and $300 for six months, that adds up about to half of the credit. So the other half of the credit, they're going, get, uh, they're going to give back to you in your 2021 tax return, right? So they upped the um, tax credit a little bit this year, but you have to also have to watch out for the phase-out amounts. Um, if you're filing single and your AGI is between $70,000 and 95,000, they're going to start to phase out that credit a little bit. And when you get to 95,000, they're not going to give you any credit at all. So another thing to watch out for as well is if you had a, you know, a, you know, promotion from 2020 to 2021, a large increase in salary, and you go over that AGI amount, you're going to have to pay back those payments that they gave to you starting on July 15th. So, you know, talk to your tax professional, talk to your tax advisor, you know, plan for that because you're not going to want to have to pay those payments back after you've already spent it. And also, you know, if you, if you speak to the, your tax advisor or your CPA and you want to opt out of those payments so you don't run into this issue, you can do it on the IRS website. They have a portal for this. And another thing I wanted to mention as well, guys, if the IRS calls you asking for information regarding this tax credit, it's probably not them. So there's a lot of fraudsters out there that take advantage of these tax laws and they'll call you up and try to get your information and uh, defraud you and steal your identity. Don't give anyone any information on the phone. Um, so just be aware of that. You know, Vincenzo, I'm so glad you pointed that out because we know that there's a lot of scams out there. And we know that people are being taken advantage of, especially our mature clientele and all those those parents and grandparents out there that, you know, may fall for all of these these phone scams. The IRS, right, Vincenzo, they're not going to call and ask you for this information. Right? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. The IRS isn't going to call you to give you, you money. So definitely not. And, and believe me, folks, Vincenzo worked for one of the big four accounting firms. This guy knows tax, and that's why he's on our team. We're going to do more tax planning with clients than we've ever done before. He's one of three CPAs that we have. So, Vincenzo, how easy was it? And I know you're going to chuckle because it wasn't easy to become a certified public accountant, a CPA? 
It's tough. I think um, years ago you would just be able to get a bachelor's degree and take the test, which was still tough. But nowadays you have to have 150 total college credits, which is the equivalent of a master's degree. Over 20% of those credits have to be in accounting classes. Um, so it's kind of tough to get your CPA without being an accounting major, you know, for your bachelor's degree and your undergrad anyways. Um, so, yeah, for a year straight, I go into the office at 6 a.m. and study for three hours every day. Um, you know, CPA exam is four tests. Um, usually, you know, an average takes people about a year to pass it, you know, very high fail rate. Um, yeah, so a year straight of studying, three hours a day in the morning. Yeah, it was tough. It was definitely tough. I'm telling you, folks, when I tell you I'm surrounding myself by people that are smarter than I am, this guy, this guy knows tax. Well, Vincenzo, it's nice to have you on our team, and I'm glad that you were able to point out because there's a lot of people out there that may not understand, you know, what this child care, um, child tax credit's all about, and for you to to explain the difference between a credit and a deduction. It's night and day. Credit goes right in your, your pocket, folks. I just wonder if there's going to be a lot of people out there that are going to start having babies. Folks, this isn't permanent. So before you have a, a baby and another baby and another baby to get all this money, this isn't a permanent thing. This is right now to get us through. Um, it's just another stimulus package that Washington's putting together. So, Paulo, how um you're a certified financial planner and we're proud to say that we believe in CFPs. How um, easy was it for you to get the CFP designation? That's a great question, Steve. Let's just say I wouldn't want to go through it again. It's uh, it's a year long process of just being able to qualify to take the test. So you have to go through a year long capstone course and, and make sure that you're passing all of these preliminary tests to be able to qualify for the, to then sit for the test. So then that test consists of, of two parts in one day. It's, it, I think it takes in totality about eight hours and it really tests you on all of the aspects of financial planning. So it's not just looking into one category such as investments like you would see with the Series 7 or 66. It's 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 really making you think about all of the subject matters in financial planning. So we're talking about estate planning, investment planning, uh, you know, tax planning, you know, making sure that you're you're acting as a fiduciary for your clients. So it's a lot of regulatory issues that you need to make sure you go through. And I really feel like that test allows you to be the best advisor you can be for your clients and really allows you to fully understand all of the aspects that need to go into financial planning. Um, so I, I really do encourage all the listeners out there, if you have an advisor, to, to ask if they're a CFP and more specifically ask if they're a fiduciary because I feel like those are uh, very important subject matters uh, when you're working with an advisor. Absolutely, Paolo. Absolutely. And I know, Vincenzo, you're getting ready to study to become a CFP as well. So, um, you know, I don't want you coming in at six o'clock in the morning to study, you know, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, you know, you're going to learn so much with us that you're going to know it. Um, but folks, when I tell you, it, it, we take our, our business seriously. I can't begin to tell you how serious we take it. I, I've been a CFP since 1990. And as I said, I'm surrounded right now by, um, CFP, CPAs, credit investment fiduciaries. I, I, I take this business seriously. And I always say, if you're doing business with an advisor and they may brag that they have a Series 7, listen, 
all that means is they're allowed to sell you mutual funds, annuities, um, charge transaction costs. That doesn't mean they're certified financial planners or certified public accountants or chartered financial analysts. That means absolutely none of the above. And if you're doing business with a big financial institution and you think that you're covered by, you know, the thousands and thousands and thousands of stockbrokers, you're not. You're probably doing business with one advisor. Maybe that advisor has another advisor that helps them and maybe they have an admin person. That's it. Or if you're doing business with an insurance company and you have a, a an insurance salesperson looking to sell you insurance and annuities and mutual funds, same thing, folks. You got to ask yourself, are they a fiduciary? Is the advice that you're getting right for you or is it better for the person selling investments? I just, I know there's a lot of advisors out there that sell investments that do good for their clients. I don't feel that most people should be paying high commissions being sold some of the products that they're selling. There's a lot of people out there that just don't do what's right for their clients. And that's why I'm so proud that I've been a fiduciary for 28 years. My firm, everybody in. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, my team, we are fiduciaries. We have 14 professionals. When you do business with Boucher Financial Group, you have 14 professionals on our team that are helping you. Well, let's move on. Paolo, you kind of teased the audience and you talked a little bit about growth and value. What do you mean by that? Yeah, it, it's a great, great question, Steve. And there's honestly been a lot of discussion around this rotation from growth stocks to value stocks in the market. And any client of ours that's listening right now knows that we made a few changes to our portfolios back in May to reflect this. But I feel like the... Really, the only way to fully understand this concept of this rotation from growth to value is understanding the fundamental differences between what a value stock is and what a growth stock is. So let's think value stocks as companies that have a low price-to-earnings ratio, and, and what that means is they're either priced accurately or, in some cases, under underpriced. They, they usually have high dividends. They're, they're much more stable companies. And you usually see these types of companies in sectors like financials and healthcare, industrials, and even energy stocks. Now, growth stocks are, are just the opposite. These are companies with high price-to-earnings ratios, right? So they're typically overpriced, but investors are willing to pay for this because these companies tend to grow faster. They usually don't have dividends and, and making them much, much more volatile type of, of stocks to own. But again, they tend to outperform against other stocks. And we usually see these types of stocks in tech companies, uh, consumer discretionary, communication services. So think Amazon, Tesla, Facebook. These, these companies have, have fared well over the last 10 years. They've done very well. But so far this year, the story is value has actually outperformed growth by over 4%. So 
why do we think this trend's going to continue? And, well, that, that's honestly the $64,000 question. And I think a lot has to do with what the Fed's doing. The Federal Bank has different types of monetary policies that they can implement to help the economy in times of distress, but also to help to make sure the economy doesn't overheat. Last year, the Fed implemented a monetary policy called quantitative easing, and that was to help the economy during the pandemic shutdown. The concept of quantitative easing is honestly pretty simple. It just means the Fed is cutting you know, the federal funds rates to zero to make borrowing very easy, while also injecting money into the economy to put more money into people's pockets so that they'll spend money and boost the economy. Well, as the economy begins to recover and eventually overheat, possibly having inflationary factors and other things like that, the Fed has monetary policies called quantitative tightening to help cool off the economy by raising interest rates and restricting the amount of money in the economy. So let me put this into an example. And, Steve, I feel like you'll love this as a foodie. Say I have to make a dinner for someone I really want to impress, and I have, I have two scenarios. I'm going to make a dinner for someone under quantitative easing versus making dinner for somebody under quantitative tightening. So under quantitative easing, it would be like going to Whole Foods with $1,000 to spend. Plenty of money to buy all the things that I know how to cook really well with some room left over to buy some things that are potentially could be really good, but also could be pretty terrible, you know, very speculative types of buys. But again, I'm okay with this because I have that extra cash flow in my pocket. Now, under quantitative tightening, it would be like going to Whole Foods with just $100 to spend. Now I have to be so much more careful on what I buy. I don't have that leftover money to buy the things that I've never tried before, you know, those staple type of items. So I can only buy the things that I know that I absolutely can cook. So going back to my point about the market slowly moving from growth to value, as we see the Fed raising rates as the economy recovers, as you know, Jerome Powell said last week, we're forecasting two rate hikes in 2023, and we begin to see that through quantitative tightening, I think we're going to start seeing investors be much, much more conservative with their investments and gradually start to move from those growth-type companies to value types of companies. Because, you know, we've heard on the news over the last year companies like AMC and GameStop and, you know, some, some investors have done very well investing in those types of companies because of the quantitative easing we've been going through. But I think as, you know, we go through quantitative tightening, I don't, I don't think we're going to see any sort of speculative investments like that anymore, Steve. No, it's, it's a good point, and you're right, Paolo. I am a foodie. I love to cook, as you do. We, we, folks, we have challenges with our team. When, when we're cooking, we put pictures up for our team to see, and Paolo really impresses me with his cooking skills. He, he does something what they call a reverse sear, which I never heard of. He puts this beautiful piece of meat in the oven, and then he sears it, and it's cooked to perfection. I'm telling you, folks, I'm surrounded by some pretty good people. And, um, you know, with Paolo, that's nice, Paolo, that you're talking food. But it, it's true. And, and, folks, when you look at growth versus value, there's no right answer. I know for the, you know, since the Great Recession, growth has been on a tear. Um, you know, earlier this year, value became on a tear. You saw technology, big technology names go down. And the reason why that happens is if interest rates go up, there's a basically a present value. Um, they 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 discount the cash flow of earnings for the future earnings of these big technology companies. And when the interest rates are higher, the value isn't there so much. And that's why you'll see technology names 
kind of go down when interest rates are threatening to go up. We don't know what the Fed's going to do. We've been talking about this. You know, how long has the Fed been promising us this? Almost a year, right, Paula, where they say they don't plan on doing any hikes for the next couple of years. And we'll see. It's a moving target, folks. And this is why you'll see some volatility in the market when inflationary reports come out that the economy is starting to take off. Now, the Fed says a lot of the inflationary moves are temporary. Well, I ask myself, heck, does the Fed chair Jay Powell or Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, do they ever go to pump their own gas and see what they're paying for gas today compared to just, you know, a few months ago? Probably not. I'm pretty sure they don't go shopping in Stewart's or Price Chopper and see the cost of milk and bread and all the other food items. And I'm pretty sure they're not at Home Depot realizing the price of wood, plywood especially, and other, other um, you know, commodities. They're sky high, but they think that they're temporary. Now, we don't know if they're temporary or not. I always say, in hindsight, everything's crystal clear. So let us come back to you months down the road, and we'll tell you if these inflationary signs are temporary or not. But when the market feels that they're not temporary and inflation is here to stay, then the Fed may have more reason to hike interest rates sooner than later. Whereas now they're saying these things are temporary, so they're projecting that interest rates will be low for the next couple of years. That's that's almost like money, you know, you know, that's a catalyst to the stock market. Low interest rates. Why? Do you want to lock your money away and get 1.5% or take some more risk and put it in the stock market? As I said, you can get 1% dividend with the S&P 500 index, um, almost 1.5-2% dividend with the S&P. You can own a stock like Apple, get almost three-quarters of a percent dividend. You can own other stocks and get more. You get the picture. Do you want to lock your money away and get a low interest rate in bonds or maybe have some stocks in the portfolio? The key is, as Paolo said in the first half of the show, that risk appetite, your tolerance for risk, knowing what to have. Don't put all your money in growth, but also don't put all your money in value. Maybe have a little of both. As Paolo pointed out, we made some changes in the portfolio, some tactical positions that we invested in on behalf of our clients. And so far, they're working out really well. And they may be short-term in nature. We just wanted to take advantage of the opportunities. When you see volatility, volatility is an investor's friend, folks. Take advantage of that volatility. Hey, guys, you gave out some pretty good information today. Um, what do you want to what do you, what do you want to finish the show with? Any any words of wisdom, Vincenzo, Paolo? Come on, help me. Give me some yeah, words no. of wisdom. My wisdom to all the listeners out there is to make sure that you have an advisor that is having these conversations with you. You know, it, it's too often that I'm sitting with potential clients or new clients that are onboarding that's saying, you know, the, the reason why I want to come on is I talk to my advisor once every five years or once every couple of years, and, and they're just handling my investments. And frankly, that's just not enough. 
you know, here at Boucher, what we tell our clients is we are your personal CFO. So we're going to be handling your tax management that, you know, like our good friend Vincenzo sitting across the table is going to handle, including your financial planning needs, investment needs, estate planning needs, all of that. And if there's other aspects that we personally can't help you on, we are going to be giving you guidance on. And I think that is so important to make sure that you have an advisor that is meeting all those needs. Don't limit yourself to just somebody that is going to put you in a vanilla portfolio and just sit it there and then never have contact with you. You're, I truly feel like you're going to be doing yourself a discredit. How about you, Vincenzo? I agree, Paolo. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, and, you know, there's another topic that I wanted to touch on as well, you know, another random check from the IRS you may be receiving. Um, you could be getting a refund for unemployment compensation, so look out for that and talk to your CPA or tax professional for that. Perfect. I'm telling you, folks, um, you know, some good information today, I think, from Vincenzo and Paolo, information that you can use. Hopefully, it, it helps you. As always, you know, if you if, if you want to learn more about our firm, go to our website, Boucher.com. That's B as in boy, O-U-C-H-E-Y.com. There's a lot of good information on there. You can look up our team and just see the expertise that I'm surrounded by, the professionals that help serve our clients day in day out and they're all committed to our clients and they've done uh, a spectacular job especially guiding clients through you know the last you know this COVID-19 time capsule that we were in um, you know my, my team is has, has been there every step of the way and as we get back to normalcy they're going to just be there to do so much more and I'm committed to doing more for our clients. I can't do enough for our clients. I can't thank my clients enough for putting their faith and trust in our ability to manage their wealth. And we take it seriously. So hopefully you enjoyed today's show. As you know, we're on every Saturday at noon, Sunday mornings at 8. Enjoy the day. See you next weekend. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.